0: Hey coaches and welcome to the Buzzing with Miss B podcast. I'm Chrissy Beltran, your host, and I'm so excited today to have Steve Barkley here with us to talk about such an important topic dealing with resistance and working with teachers who are not excited to work with you. So <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for being here today.
1: You bet. Glad to be here.
0: Could you introduce yourself to our listeners just to make sure that everybody knows who you are and what your background is, you know, kind of what kind of work you're focusing on right now?
1: Um Well, I have, uh, I've been working in the area connected to coaching for about 35 years. And um, I entered teaching in a rich coaching environment before that word was at all being used. So I I did my undergraduate uh, uh, student teaching in an experimental program where I student taught for a whole year in a laboratory school in a classroom that had a master teacher, two student teachers, a graduate intern, and visiting professors. Oh, wow. So I spent a year being observed every day.
0: That's intensive.
1: <laughs> getting feedback every day. And when you weren't teaching, you were observing other people and having conversations about their teaching. Um, and then I got my first job in a uh, open concept school, teaching fifth and sixth grade, one giant room with 100 kids.
2: Oh, Wow. So
1: Four teachers, two paraprofessionals, and two interns from the same university program. I was so excited about my undergrad program that I convinced my school district to become a uh, professional development center for the university. Mm. Um, And so I did that for five years. And in that setting, you were always observed. Mm-hmm. it's If things were going well, you could look around and get a smile from somebody. Uh, <laughs> if you were struggling, you could look around and uh, yeah. maybe kind of shrug shoulder. Um,
2: right.
1: That, later in the day, there was somebody to talk to who had observed what happened. Then I switched on a dare to teach mm-hmm. first grade, and uh, I only survived my first year of teaching first grade because I was teamed with somebody who was an experienced. Uh, uh, first grade primary teacher. Mm-hmm. She coached and mentored me. We had a we had a double classroom, anywhere from thirty five to fifty kids, depending on the year. It was the two of us, a paraprofessional and usually a uh, an intern from the same university. Mm-hmm. So that was all of my teaching. Then I began to work in professional development. Became a teacher trainer and started to travel to schools around the country, and was shocked to find that there were large numbers of teachers who hadn't been in anybody else's classroom in five years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't had anybody in theirs. Um, mm-hmm. And so that led me into um, a, a focus on trying to develop peer coaching programs of teachers coaching teachers. Then I worked with mentor programs, began to work with administrators as coaches. And so then when the whole instructional coaching um, uh, Job title uh, emerged. It, it was a, a natural switch to uh, to look at, at approaching it from, from from that vantage point. So, yeah. coaching was part of my uh, in in my blood, you'd say, before I uh, b- b- before I, uh, I I could label it,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then it has been <clears throat> me on in all the work I've done across the years.
0: That is so interesting because coming from that background, that was just part of your teaching culture. That was part of the way you were raised as a teacher. Yeah. So then it was totally normal for people to be in your room and for you to be in their rooms or for you to share the same room. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm sure that, that that gives you a really unique perspective. And I'm sure that was also a bit of a culture shock. Um, because (laughs) when you start working with people who haven't had that experience, you're like, "What? but this is so great. Why wouldn't you want this?
1: (laughs) The the other piece of it was that in all those settings, it was a team of people Mm -hmm. responsible for student success.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So it was my shock to find out that most people were working as individuals, taking full responsibility. So along with coaching, I've worked really hard on, things like PLCs and and creating school structures where people take a shared accountability or a shared responsibility for student success. So now it's not so much that you're in my classroom to quote, help me. Mm -hmm. You're in my classroom for us to increase the learning of our students
0: Yes, I love that approach. And I think that that probably goes a long way towards the topic that we're talking about today, which is supporting teachers who are not excited to have you around. (laughs) So um, if you can frame your work in that way, if we're here to support kids, we're here to grow kids. And if we can be a team, then we can better support kids. Two heads are going to be better than one. Um, Then that's going to be a little less stressful than I'm here because you're not doing a very good job
1: which is sometimes well, the way it's framed. So, so my whole, I was actually, I was just on a call this morning with a school that is looking to begin an instructional coaching program. They don't, they don't currently have one. And, uh, it, it, as I, and I was working with the administrative team to, 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 to look at, at what it is they're looking to design. And, and my issue is that you bring an instructional coach into a school to impact student learning outcomes by changing student learning behaviors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we didn't hire the coach to change the, the teachers.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: hired the coach to get more kids spending more of their time engaged in the behaviors that are going to cause them to learn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I've actually worked with with folks where we come up the school comes up with a list of the student behaviors that the teacher wants more of.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay, I so love that.
1: I, 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 want, uh, I want greater perseverance in math problem solving. I want stamina in writing. I want, um, I, I want student, uh, student inquiry and student asking questions. Come out with that whole list of behaviors.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I've said, take that list, turn it into a sandwich board sign, and that's the list that the coach wears. Okay. <laughs> the coach knocks on your door wearing that sign
0: mm-hmm. and says,
1: here's what I'm selling. <laughs> Is there anything on here you'd like to buy?
0: I love it. A good gimmick goes a long way, but it's true. People, of course, would love to buy that if they could. Yeah.
1: If if you can't find something on this list that you would like to have more of in your classroom. Mm -hmm. Now, once we start working, I realize that the kids aren't going to change unless the teacher changes. Right. Right. But but our purpose wasn't to change the teachers. Our purpose was to change the kids. Yeah. And I, I that that's I, f- I find that to be a big uh, a big lowering of, uh, of of resistance.
0: I love that. Yeah, and I agree with that totally. We want to support kids through supporting teachers. The way to get yeah. to the kids is through the teachers. But the point is for the. I mean, you can change a teacher, but it has no impact on the kids. And what have you really done?
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, and and yeah. and and. The the role then is to have the teacher want to change, in order to get the change she wants in the kids.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and 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 actually, I, I sometimes describe that that the more successful the teacher gets,
0: mm-hmm. the
1: more difficult this can be. Oh yeah. Because when when what you're doing as a teacher is very effective for ninety percent of your kids, right you got a strong voice telling you to keep doing what you're doing.
0: Right. It's working. (laughs) Why change? Yeah.
1: But, but, but when you as a teacher tell me, uh, actually one of the, one of the ways I like to phrase the question to to the teacher is talk to me about a student for whom you're working too hard. Mm, Interesting. And the teacher will look at me and go, well, what do you mean? Well, Mm -hmm. you're investing a lot
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and, and you're getting an insufficient return in in student success from what you're investing but that's a great spot for you to want to want to work with a coach
2: yeah. so
1: i'm not questioning and challenging that you're doing anything wrong right. you're telling me that you're looking for more from that uh from, from that student and um and, and that could be what we're tackling as a uh as, as a coach
0: That's a great start. I love that. It does lower the inhibitions because it acknowledges that people are working really hard and that they are trying and they've tried to figure something out and something is not clicking here, but it's not because they're not doing their jobs. It's not because they're not trying to work with that child. That's beautiful. So then, how does? I mean, we've talked about a lot of. I like the culture here. Really, you're talking about how to create this culture of coaching and how to approach the coaching work. How does relationship building factor into that resistance in working with individual teachers or lack of resistance? Like, what can we do? <laughs> well,
1: to, to me, the, uh, the 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 big relationship piece is on my honoring you and your goals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So. One I, I, very often, and so I, I was here in the early days of coaching. Uh, one of the first videos produced on coaching had uh, Jim Knight, Joel and Killian, and myself.
2: Mm-hmm. The three
1: of us were, were in the video, and kind of a surprise to everybody. The three of us hadn't met each other yet. Okay. They came out and, and taped us uh, taped us uh, individually, and that was right at the time that uh, that Joel and uh, wrote her piece on. Um, on coaching light and coaching heavy. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of coaches were taking time to build relationships by coaching light.
2: Right.
1: Um, So they were doing all these helpful things for teachers. Mm -hmm. And what Joellen realized and caught early on was uh, it it ended up creating a problem because teachers began to define that that's what the coach was here to do. Right. The coach was here to work for me.
2: Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Make in effect make my job easier.
2: Right.
1: And um, so Joellen said, and 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 this really clicked with me back when she she first laid that out that that uh, heavy coaching means getting the teacher to talk about her wishes and desires for kids, and then to show the teacher that that you take that on.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So that's why I'm real big on driving everything from the teacher's agenda, Mm -hmm. and I'm real big on. It's spending the pre-conference time with the teacher prior to doing any observation in the teacher's classroom Mm -hmm. so that the teacher is directing your observation and the teacher's directing your input on a goal that the teacher has set. Mm -hmm. More than a goal that the system has set or the the program has set.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, It's not about the teacher implementing the program the correct way that that Mm -hmm. all of that's going to run me into resistance. Mm -hmm. But if I can get the teacher to talk about an outcome she wants to get from her learners that she's not getting now, that's, to me, that's the easiest way to build a relationship.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's your sandwich board. (laughs) So if you're thinking about how to approach working with resistant teachers and you're, um, you're really kind of struggling about with how to get started, I have a really great opportunity for you and it's free. I want you to go to buzzingwithmissb.com episode 55, that's capital E, episode 55, five, and you can actually sign up for the Resistant Teachers Challenge. And this will help you in five days plus one, the last day is a fun one, it will help you to do something different every single day to help you actually reach those teachers who have pushed back against your coaching support. So I want you to think about um, what you can do to work with these teachers every day and it'll give you a tangible action and it'll give you a handout and a worksheet tells you exactly what to do. Every day get a little video that really teaches you something that's going to help you move those teachers from resistant to collaborator. And so, that's where you can get it, buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 55. Check it out today and you will have um, something different to try tomorrow which is what we all need. <laughs> So what are some reasons, like you kind of mentioned one, um, that teachers might be resistant to coaching support. Uh, one of them might be like that we're trying to force them into a program or a specific mode of teaching and that they're not on board with that. What else could be happening there?
1: Well, well it's, a, it's a historical fix-it mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I wrote years ago, um, if you have a mentor program uh, and you don't have a peer coaching program,
2: mm-hmm
1: then you're sending a message to people that when you arrive here and you're new and you're weak and you're beginning, then we have people assist and work with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, and once you prove that you can survive on your own, right. the way that not that make sense? You
0: yes. know, we, <laughs> yes. beginning teacher,
1: you, you've done a great job. Next year we'll let you teach at the end of the hall and totally ignore you.
0: Right. So uh,
1: I, I, worked with a, I worked with a school that was trying to define their mentor program as to how long it should last. You know, is, is mentoring a, a one-year program in 18 months, two years? Hmm. And they finally came up with this phrase that I just loved. They said, when the beginning teacher throws open the door of her classroom and says you may all come in,
2: uh-huh. the
1: mentor program is over. That's cute. <laughs> so the job of the mentor Mm -hmm. was to build the skill level and confidence and professionalism Mm -hmm. of someone entering the the profession to the point that they were ready to engage Mm -hmm. in that professional dialogue to always be the awesome best that I can possibly be.
0: That's great. That's a beautiful culture to create and cultivate. And I think it's so true. That's one of the things I've talked about on the podcast is if we just coach new teachers, if we only work with new teachers and teachers who are, quote, struggling, then, what are, then that clearly, clearly says that we're just here to help people who are, not, who are, yeah. who are figuring things out and are struggling and we're not, we're not there to help every teacher grow, which is really, you know.
1: I, I worked with a lot of schools in, on the implementation of their first instructional coaching program. Mm-hmm. And my first advice was, the way you kick off the program,
2: mm-hmm.
1: coach and principal sit down and the principal identifies five of the strongest teachers in the building. Mm-hmm. The principal goes out to those teachers and says, the uh, instructional coach asked me to identify a few of the strongest people in the beginning that she could start working with, and you came to mind. Would you mind working with her? Okay. You're not going to find many teachers turning down that option. Right.
2: <laughs> and,
1: so, and so now what happens is, is you start with that picture of coaching. What happened in way too many things is the instructional coach walks in the first day on the job, and the principal goes, thank God you're here. <laughs>
2: right. yeah.
1: I got three dying people in classrooms, and you need to go work with them. Mm -hmm. and so they they went out to work with them and meanwhile the rest of the teachers around the school are going who's that new lady Mm -hmm. and somebody says she's the instructional coach what does she do I don't Mm -hmm. know but you see who she's working with
0: right they draw their own inferences there okay
1: and then and then two months later she's knocking on your door saying hi I'm here to help right and no thanks I don't don't, yeah yeah." (laughs) we don't want any yeah yeah (laughs) you know so it's, it's, really, it's really the need to reverse that right from the get-go, which mm-hmm. uh, when I first started with this, I took it to the professional athlete and the performing artist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you think about a professional athlete, the further you go up in your career, the lower the number of players per coach becomes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're, the further up in your career you go, you're getting more and more coaching. Mm-hmm. So when when I wrote my uh, when I wrote my first book, Quality Teaching and a Culture of Coaching, I said one of the things is that the strongest teachers in the school should be getting the most coaching.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Number
1: one, they deserve it. Right. I've heard you. I've heard you use that that, that phrase. They, they deserve yes. it.
0: <laughs> they do. Yeah.
1: It, it, it pushed me away from it. People were saying everybody needs a coach, and no, they don't need a coach. They deserve a coach.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and,
1: absolutely. And so, so your strongest teachers deserve that. Deserve that that coaching,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and um, and that's how you now model for people what, what, what coaching is about. Those strong teachers are constantly advancing in their career. Mm -hmm. They're working at extremely complex levels. So if you you think of a top-ranked athlete, you have one player who has several coaches. Mm
2: -hmm. Because
1: their game is so complicated. Mm
2: -hmm. They'll have
1: a nutrition (laughs) coach. They'll have an offensive coach, a defensive coach, a Mm -hmm. strength coach. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you think of, 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 of high-quality teachers, they're trying to make 15 different things happen in their classroom all at the same right. time. So the idea that I could invite someone in who is going to zero in and, and pay attention to, to one element of that uh, becomes extremely important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that metaphor or that, that analogy because one of my brothers is a, uh, is a baseball coach. And, um, and he's been, he, we talk about so many things and a lot of what we do really does line up. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. If you Absolutely. Check out the content, you know, the strategies are very similar.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you're, you're too young to uh, know this. <laughs> but one of, the first, uh, one of the first pieces on coaching was by, by uh, Bruce Joyce and Beverly Showers. Uh, it was called The Coaching of Teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think it appeared in 1980, and they interviewed uh, college football coaches.
0: Oh, interesting! And mm-hmm. the article
1: compares college football coaches to school district professional development people. Interesting. And and, and there's a line in there that I that I chose to uh, that I chose to uh, memorize because it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said the difference between teachers and athletes was that athletes know that with a whole lot of effort, practice, and time, they can make a small improvement in their performance. Where teachers, on the other hand, had a belief that a, uh, a half-day workshop could bring about major changes in your classroom. <laughs> that's
2: true. And, the,
0: and that's- degree,
1: the degree to which we allow that to continue, we're doing teachers a great disservice.
0: Yes. That's Use very true. Inquiry,
1: using the inquiry approach in science is at least as difficult as throwing a block in football.
0: Yeah, that's great, and you know that's that's a um, a, a difference in thinking about leadership. You know, because I feel like that's come from from leadership, and that we say, "Here's your half day workshop. We're not going to talk about it again. <laughs> you're just go do it now. Now you're going to be really good at this." And then we drop it and we move on. And that you know, one shot, you know um, training approach, it does not work. It, it's not effective at all. You maybe have a couple people who implement a few things. You have a lot of people who completely forget everything you talked about or were never really interested in it in the first place. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not, such an ineffective it's not,
1: way. It's not, it's not forgetting it even, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's, not about remembering. It's going through the trial and error process yes. of, of implementing a change, mm-hmm. uh, getting to understand what that change feels like and realizing that when you go into your classroom and do something new, things are going to get worse. Mm-hmm. If, you don't have somebody, if you don't have somebody coaching you through that learning dip, mm-hmm. the tendency is to go into the dip and decide, right. well, heck, what I used to do was better than this. Yes. And because it was.
0: <laughs> right. In the short term. In the yeah. short term, it was. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it is hard to work through that whenever you're on your own and you don't see your other colleagues doing it and you don't have a peer support or anything. Very true. So what does, how can coaches recognize whenever they're being met with resistance from teachers? And this sounds like a weird question because sometimes it's pretty obvious, right? But sometimes it's a little more um, covert. It's a little less obvious and, and uh, coaches are like, I just cannot get this person on the phone. You know? So what are some signs that this teacher is not interested in engaging with you?
1: Um. <sighs> i i think i think you've 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 labeled that it is it is pretty it is pretty obvious by lack of of, of change or movement
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it's uh you know i i come to the plc meetings but i didn't bring the stuff that i was supposed right. to to bring to to bring yeah. uh I, I i don't i don't hold up to the uh commitments um uh, it probably excuses is the biggest uh is, is the biggest flag there um, mm-hmm. that 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 you uh, that, that that you're going to run into, and um, my my sign is as soon as you begin to see those, the critical element is to listen for what's not being said.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do we listen to what's not being said?
1: <clears throat> well, to to me, th- I th- that's a uh, that's where you have to use paraphrasing. You, you have to interpret what you think isn't being said and be able to play that back to a teacher and and when you get into heavy resistance,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that means you've got to uh, you've got to be able to step outside of your ego and 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 not be defensive from what it is that that teacher is saying or doing
2: mm mm-hmm.
1: uh, I remember very early in my career when I first began doing professional development and I would travel to a school and uh, I'd be introduced to, uh, to to start a workshop and I'd take one look out at the audience at the start of that workshop
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and just be devastated by the look I was getting. Yeah. and uh, We've all
0: been there, I think.
1: <laughs> and uh, I mean... Kids usually would at least fake it, you know. (laughs) Your audience doesn't fake it, and you know it took a long time before it hit me in the to recognize this can't be me. See, I mean, if they're giving me those looks forty-five minutes into the workshop, I'll I'll take some ownership of it. I haven't even even been introduced yet. Okay, so I I, I now know there's some the 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 message I'm getting. I, I don't I don't know what it means. Right. And so I, ha- I have to start unpacking to, to find out what it is that that, that, that means and usually doing it with a, with, with a paraphrase.
0: And so what could that sound like?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, so with, with a teacher, it, it, it might sound like um, I, I'm sensing you're concerned mm-hmm. about the cost of spending time in a coaching cycle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. You just put it out there. Yeah. They, they may not even realize that's how they're feeling sometimes. They may be yeah.
1: uh, oh absolutely.
0: Comfort. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh no, it's 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 not it's not that. So there is something that could come from us working together mm-hmm. that you believe would be valuable enough for what the what the time is gonna cost you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me more about what that thing would be. hmm and then that's when I might come with that question. Well, well, tell me about that. Tell me about that, that student, mm-hmm. that, that, that student that you're working too hard for. Right. <laughs> and and I, I can begin to turn that around now to show that I, that I that I'm working on it from the from the teacher's vantage point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if 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 it's more if it's more vocal, and the teacher presents it as what I call a a, a, a gripe. Mm-hmm. Or an excuse or a concern.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I need to recognize that I can't coach from a gripe. Right. So mm-hmm. I have to. I have to be able. I have to be able to come up with a goal, because until we have a goal, I'm not coaching. I'm supervising.
0: Right. Yes.
1: If, if okay. I'm in your classroom without a goal that you want to achieve, mm-hmm. I, I'm supervising
2: mm-hmm. and.
1: That's not bad. I'm not, not saying that's a bad thing because sometimes people need supervision. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure I don't call that coaching.
0: Right. And,
1: yeah. and, and, uh, and and so the resistance from the teacher might be to being supervised.
0: I think that's a pretty common resistance. <laughs> which is, which is Most people don't like it.
1: Which is a different resistance from being mm-hmm. coached.
0: hmm
1: Okay. Yes. And... You know, in in my mind, the only time I want to supervise is when coaching is not being effective, because mm-hmm. I can get, I can get a lot further. I can accomplish a whole lot more with coaching, similar to working with a student. Once I have to use my authority with my student,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I've taken step backwards that I have to earn back.
2: Right.
1: If I if I can coach my students rather than have to use my authority with my students we're we're going to move ahead further and faster Mm -hmm. so certainly the same thing is true thinking of a uh, thinking of a teaching staff
0: interesting i like that 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 the difference is having a goal that the teacher is working on because that helps create a clear line um, between when you're supervising and when you're coaching that's a really clear um, obvious indicator so
1: so think of an example like this suppose a a teacher said to you during this virtual COVID time, mm-hmm. a teacher said, uh, parents aren't managing students enough
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for learning at home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So th- that's one where I would call it a, a, a gripe. Gripe,
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I
1: can approach that. Okay. So I'd, I'd, uh, I'd come back with a statement to the teacher that says, uh, it sounds like you need students to invest more effort in their learning. Mm-hmm. if the kids were investing more effort at home what do you think that would sound like or look like it, it, it kind of sounds to me like like either the kids need to work more independently
2: mm-hmm.
1: or the te- or the or the parents need to be more supervisory so so if i'm right which way do you think you want to invest your energy
2: <laughs> you,
1: you want to invest your energy in working with parents and have them take on the role
2: mm-hmm.
1: or do you want to invest your energy in getting the kids to work more independently?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you want to try both? Would you like to see, but, but in, maybe there's some parents we could get to do that and other, you know, so I'd be going, but where I'm going to end up with is a goal. Yes. And now that We got a goal. Now I can work with you.
0: Yes, I love that. That's, and I've talked about that too, that moving complaints into goals is what I called it. But same idea that you, can't, you, you cannot just fix these problems. It's just not, I mean, the teachers are having complaints. Many of them are, are, are true. They're, I mean, yeah, like you're the example you gave. That is absolutely a, peop, a problem people are seeing right now where kids are, are not being independent at home. I mean, some of them are five years old. <laughs> <laughs> For goodness sakes.
1: And I reserve my right to, to, have, to have you pick a goal that I'm not interested in working on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I've had people say the State Department needs to change the uh, testing. Oh, yeah. You know, a ton of people would agree with you. Right. <laughs> How much energy do you want to invest now in getting the State Department to change? Right. And if that's your goal, I, I'm, I'm going to bow out. I, I, as a coach with all the kids here at our school and all their right. needs. Right. I'd be in total agreement with you, but it's, 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 it's not a goal I'm going to invest my time and energy in.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Um, that's true. Cause I have heard that look, things like that as well. And you, we've got to think about, well, what can we do? Let's look at the classroom. What can we do to actually impact students within, you know, that's, if that's your concern, what can we do about it right yeah. here?
1: So, so so if i were to reverse it and people will complain that 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 parents aren't uh, pa- parents aren't doing what we need them to do well mm-hmm. if they did it if they did it what would it look like and sound like oh, so what i'm hearing you say is kids need to be read to
0: mhm like a specific action so, so you- now
1: so now i wonder if there's another way we could have kids get that reading mm
2: mm-hmm. mhm
1: I worked with a school in a, a, a poverty uh, migrant worker area,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and the you know, the, the cry was that until parents read to kids, we, we aren't going to bring about a change here. Well, these parents were in the field at 15 right. hours a day. Right. But we ended up creating a program where we hired uh, fifth and sixth grade kids to read to preschool kids. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we did find a way to make that happen. I worked in another community where we got, we got uh, uh, homework uh, centers set up in the churches. So, yeah, the, the, you know, you, you, once, you, once you define what it is you mm-hmm. want kids to do and engage in, now you can go and look for ways to, 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 to make that happen.
0: That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, and those programs are so meaningful, and they usually come from, from solving that problem that teachers are having. Once we yeah. identify what that could look like and we think beyond the most obvious, well, it'd be great if the parents could read to them. Some some parents cannot read, you know, when we're expecting things of people that they do not have, you know, those skills and then we're punishing children for not having those skills. So if we can think about, well, how can we get this to kids in a different way?
1: And and, and very often I, I work with, with teachers where if that's, if, if the complaint is the parents aren't, mm-hmm. okay, that, that then, then a realization is, then those kids need us to do something even more, right? So now let's begin to explore what it is that that we that we are capable of doing. Mm-hmm. If, if if nothing's going to happen for the learner outside the school, mm-hmm. then the six hours they're here with us becomes ext- extremely yeah. extremely important.
0: I've had that same conversation so many times. <laughs> And, and that's then what are we going to do here? The only people we can control are ourselves. We cannot control kids, children. We cannot control parents. What can we do? What can we set up to solve some of these issues and create systems that are going to work? Um, because we cannot just we, you cannot expect everyone to just do what you've asked them to do when that's not always going to work.
1: And now the, now the we is now the coach working as a partner with the mm-hmm. teacher. Yes. So when you change that gripe or concern
0: mm-hmm. into
1: a goal – now we have something we can work together on. And then that's what. That, and if we get other teachers who are interested in it too, now as a coach, I've built a team. Mm-hmm. I've got a team with a common goal that now has a reason to work together.
0: Yes, that's beautiful. And that's how you create that culture. That's awesome. So one other strategy I've seen you shared, you shared your gripes to goal strategy. Another one I've seen is the supporting statement strategy. And could you tell us about how to implement that and what that looks like?
2: Yeah,
1: I, I learned the supporting statement actually early in my, uh, in my teaching career. And the supporting statement is a way to respond to, uh, to disagreement. So mm-hmm. when, when somebody makes a statement that I, uh, that I disagree with, um, what I look to do is to find something in their statement that I can support.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. <laughs>
1: and then, so the supporting statement comes in two pieces. In the first part of the statement, you 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 find something in what they said that you can agree with, mm-hmm. and I'm looking for the strongest amount of agreement that I that I can come up with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, in the second part, I give you uh, a, an additional piece of information.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, if we took that same example where uh, the, um, the teacher says parents aren't managing students' uh, focus on learning enough at home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So if I was going to use a supporting statement, the first part of my supporting statement might be parents can have a really strong impact on students' investment in learning. hmm
0: Acknowledging that that's important and that it does matter and that's real.
1: And Mm -hmm. then my second part is some parents are currently overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with pressures from the quarantine. Mm -hmm. So it's the second part of my statement that I want you, that that, that might influence you.
2: Yes.
1: It's the first part of the statement that causes you to listen to me Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because you're, you're hearing a, you're hearing an agreement. Mm -hmm. The hardest part to learn is to make the two statements and not put a but in between
0: them. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that in the video that you shared. Yeah, <laughs> because
1: as soon as you put in the but, it mm-hmm. kicks out what you just said. So mm-hmm. if you can imagine you walked into your school administrator's office excited about something you thought of doing, and you said it to the administrator, and, and, and she looked back at you and said, that's a really good idea, but. right. As soon as you hear the but, you know, you don't want to hear what's going to come after the but. <laughs> right. In, in my supporting statement, it's the most important part that I want you to be listening to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so two strategies. Some people use a an and
2: mm-hmm.
1: instead of a but. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I learned to use a period. <laughs>
0: That's a good way. So I make
1: my first statement and I actually bring my tongue against my teeth
2: mm-hmm.
1: to Put the period there
2: uh-huh. and
1: then make my, then make my, uh, make my second statement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I, call the confer- I call the supporting statement an aggressive step backwards. Mm-hmm. So somebody tosses something at you and uh-huh. instead of leaning into it, uh-huh. take this step backwards where you kind of spread your feet and, and mm-hmm. plant yourself. I call- that's why I call it an aggressive step backwards. You aren't running away, but mm-hmm. you're giving the person some space. Mm-hmm. And then in that space, you explain your thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're not defending yourself. Right. You're explaining your thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the stronger you can make that first part, where they hear that you pulled something out of there. Now the uh, you know you may reach a point where where all that you can agree, all, all the only part you can put in the agreement
2: mm-hmm.
1: is you you certainly have the right to that opinion. And I know that other people, I know that other people hold it also.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now I only use that when I'm when i you know when what they've said is so far out. Right. But but generally, and and it's a belief system I work from. Ninety nine point nine percent of the teachers you're working with really want what's best for kids. Mm-hmm. And it may not show in their in their body language. It may not show in their tone of voice at this time. It may not show in the words there. But if I listen really carefully. Mm-hmm. I can come back with I can come back with a positive piece about that they want the best for kids.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find it. <laughs> There's a nugget in there <laughs> yeah. that you can find.
1: And so it, when I can't find it, I'm even going to make the assumption that it's there.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and that's great.
1: And I'm hearing that you're really concerned about the kids' well-being. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. And now put that additional piece that I that I, yes. that I wanted them to hear and listen to.
0: You know, it's funny, that's a a strategy that I learned from, I have a three-year-old and um, I read a book about how to communicate with your your toddlers and uh, it talks about, you know, first you affirm their feelings whenever they're really losing it, Mm -hmm. you affirm their feelings and then you give them a piece of information and you do not say, but it specifically taught you not to say, but it says, you can say the thing is, (laughs) so you can say, I know you really like cupcakes. You love cupcakes. The thing is, we already had two cupcakes
1: think today. Of what the, what, see, I, I, I was used for that. As soon as you use the word but, the mm-hmm. person starts on their rebuttal.
0: Yes, yes.
1: They, they know they need to rebut whatever comes after your but.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Once you've laid that out there, you've right. instead of them listening and pondering mm-hmm. what you're laying out, because that's the part you really want them to, to, to think about, mm-hmm. you've, yeah. uh, you've, th- you've thrown them off.
2: You set up an like argument.
1: It's almost like there's a switch in the in, in the head the, mm-hmm. your first part of agreement was flowing into the brain and and that mm-hmm. word that word but just flipped it,
0: mm-hmm. it
1: shut it down that i don't want to be i don't i won't i'm not i don't want to be buying what they're going to say now right i was buying the first part and i'm not going to buy the second part you, you've signaled me to that
0: Hmm. yes yeah well, that is true we do i mean we know how english works we know how the language works <laughs> we know what's coming after that but <laughs>
1: And so, so when you look at the one you said with your child, so now you're talking about empathy.
2: Mm-hmm, so when you
1: yes. accepted their feeling, you empathized with them, but but you stuck the butt in. But, <laughs> but
0: you, exactly. the butt in
1: you just wiped out the the empathize yes. that I
0: did Exactly. Yeah, even even three-year-olds pick up on that. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes we have these coaching relationships that that we find that we're in like this negative cycle of a relationship with a teacher where we initiate contact to the teacher. And you talked about excuses. The teacher talks about why we we cannot meet with you. It's impossible. Um, And then we pop in to see how things are going and hopefully try to build a bridge there. And the teacher shoots us down. Or we just feel like there's this really negative relationship and really uh, this ugly cycle. So what can coaches do to really break that cycle if they feel like they're stuck in that kind of uh, relationship? I,
1: I, I, have to, I have to honestly say in that the first part that hits me is you want to look the amount of time that you have
2: mm-hmm.
1: and where you're investing your time. And I'm real big on keeping an open door. hmm and 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 you know, so we're going to reach the point where you know, I, I'm 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 sensing that you would feel most comfortable with me only coming into your classroom when you invited me to.
0: Mm-hmm. That is ideal to be able to do that.
1: <laughs> well, but I'm going to go the other way. Okay. Period part of my part of my instructional coaching responsibilities mm-hmm. requires so it's going to be a supporting statement i'm going to use uh-huh
0: <laughs> there you go yes
1: <laughs> now if it isn't part of your coaching responsibilities right and i think that becomes if if, if i I'm, I'm real big on administrators doing their supervisory role mm-hmm. and not pushing their supervisory role Often an instructional coach,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I, I, I use the statement when 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 the uh, when when the principal comes to the instructional coach and says, uh, I, "I I need you to work with this teacher because mm-hmm. she's really uh, she's really uh, not meeting the needs of kids."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My 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 as my instructional coach response to the principal is, "I got it. Does she know what you want her to do?" Right. And the principal says, I'm not sure. I'll tell you what, as soon as you're sure, let me know and I'll get started.
0: <laughs> yes, that's a good response.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not the instructional coach's job to go down and tell the teacher that she's right. not the minimum requirements of her job. Yes, absolutely. That, that's, the, that's the administrator's job. Mm-hmm. So now, if the administrator lays that out, my next step that not so the principal tells me she knows clearly. So now I go down to the teacher, and my statement to the teacher is, I understand the principal would like you and I to work together. hmm Do you know what she wants you to do? Mm-hmm. And if the teacher says, I'm not sure, you you, you want to go you want to go check with her? Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like me to go along with you?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if the teacher says, Yeah, I'd like you. terrific. Well, let's go, let's let's get out on the table what it is.
0: Mm-hmm
1: that the administration is requiring the teacher to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Now that we got it out on the table, I only have one more question. Are you planning on doing it? Right. <laughs> if you're planning on doing it, I'm signed on 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and so now if the, teacher, if the teacher doesn't have the behaviors that go along with looking like she's planning to make the change,
0: mm-hmm.
1: th- then I can begin to push back.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's then. That's the situation a lot of coaches find themselves in. As I'm, I'm sure you have as well, being directed to work with a certain person who maybe is not excited about that support at all.
1: And 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 notice, we now have a common goal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Our goal is for you to meet the minimum requirements of the principal. Hmm. And I'm happy to work with you on that goal. Hmm. And and my hope is we might develop a relationship doing this that causes you to decide you want to go beyond it.
0: Right. Yeah, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, some coaches can say I'm here when you need me, and some coaches say I have to be here. <laughs> so it it just kind of depends.
1: That's, yeah. So it depends on it depends on the job description and right. the and, 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 and the and and the and and, and the role that you're uh, the role that you're in.
0: Hmm. Yes, but I do think that is very good advice if people find themselves in that spot. That's a huge question people have. It's just not a comfortable position to be in, really.
1: You, which should go all the way back to part of your coach-principal partnership.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh,
1: when principals send coaches off to do that, I call it coach abuse.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. The they're, they're using you.
1: That, exactly. The, the principal who has the authority and the yes. responsibility mm-hmm. To, to evaluate and supervise a person when right. they're not doing that. And now they take the coach who doesn't have the authority mm-hmm. to, to do that. And in effect right. can be messing up your relationship with other teachers
0: mm-hmm.
1: should other teachers begin to perceive you, uh, perceive you in that role.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually had a principal tell me once, and I, I get where, where they were coming from, but they said, um, well, I feel like I've empowered you to do these things. I said, well, you have empowered me, but I don't have any actual power. <laughs> so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not an authority here in terms of, I mean, I have authority in, in my experience, but I'm not, I'm not a, an administrator. I'm not an evaluator. I don't have, I cannot tell people you haven't done your job or you're not doing your job well. That's not my job here. You know, it's two well, different things.
1: See, I, I'd even encourage you to dis- use a different word because uh, they disempowered you.
0: <laughs> yeah, because all the tools of the trade
1: All of your all way. of your power, mm-hmm. all of your powers is in your coaching role. Mm-hmm. And and when they when they tried to force you to step into another role mm-hmm. where your where your trust that you're trying to get the staff to to, to build to be to be vulnerable with you, mm-hmm. all that work, they, they 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 took power away from you. That and that's what I mean when I call what I call that coach abuse. Mm-hmm you're, 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 you're abusing the coach because she's working so hard to create those roles and those re and those relationships.
0: Yeah, it is. It is very difficult. And that sometimes and I do sometimes understand why some administrators are so reluctant to hold people accountable whenever that really is, is their role and nobody else's.
1: Well, and, and because it's not, fun, it's not a, it's not no, a, it's not, fun. It's not <laughs> fun to play, and they, and they're dealing with the same struggle.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: if, if teachers perceive that the administrator overstepped his or her uh, uh, bounds in how they worked with that teacher, mm-hmm. then they've got to go back and and build that build that right. uh, build that that relationship back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's uh, true. So it, it, it's it's almost like they've they've uh, they've got you taking the the hit instead of them. Mm-hmm. They're they're going to preserve their relationship with the rest of the teachers.
0: That's right. It's very true. I've seen that happen, and it's so frustrating. (laughs) So if coaches only walk away with one idea from this whole episode, what do you think it should be?
1: When it comes to resistance, if you're feeling defensive,
2: Mm -hmm. shut up. (laughs) That is so good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I I describe when you're feeling defensive – you're processing in your stomach
2: mm-hmm.
1: and your stomach is, a, your stomach is a great tool for reading the environment and knowing what's happening, mm-hmm. but it's not a good tool to figure out the right words to say.
0: Right. No.
1: So, so if, 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 if that defensive feeling is there, know that what that's telling you is now's not the time to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's now, a good piece of advice.
1: That can be that can be just one step backwards, mm-hmm. and actually, when I describe that uh, as a, that my supporting statement is an aggressive step backwards. Part of that aggressive step backwards is I need time to think of the right words, mm-hmm. and part of that time, when I when I step backwards, I, I'm I'm actually shifting from what it felt like to what the appropriate response is for, mm-hmm. for, for, for me to, to, to give back. Uh, and, and the teacher's resistance, you know, 99% of the time is not at you.
0: Right. Yeah. I agree with that.
1: And you need, you need time to make that shift mm-hmm. to identify what it is. That's causing the resistance
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and be able to, to deal with that as a coach, <laughs> which is yes. kind of like dealing with it as a counselor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, 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 you kind of want to step outside the situation and look yes, at yes. the situation with the teacher instead of back and forth at the
0: teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because whenever we're feeling defensive, we're putting ourselves in there and, and making ourselves part of the issue. Yep. That's good. Good tip. Um, I think we've all felt defensive, so we can probably all relate to that.
1: <laughs> well, sure. We, we all do. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's a it's a feeling i can get from with my wife right yeah (laughs) exactly and 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 the same advice comes if i'm feeling it don't talk now Mm and i I need i need to to take a step or two i need to take a breath or two Mm -hmm. and move that from the feeling to up to the head here where i can interpret it and 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 now deal with it
0: Mm -hmm. that's perfect So this has been so helpful. I know that people are going to walk away with a lot of really good concrete ideas and and a good way of thinking about approaching their work with teachers. And so for people to learn more from you, where can they find you online?
1: Yeah, it's easy to find me at uh, BarkleyPD.com. So um, because I've been at this a long time, I've been uh, doing a a, a blog uh, 50 weeks out of the year for uh, over 12 years now. And uh, I've been podcasting for, uh, for two and a half years, uh, and uh, everything uh, works there on a search engine. So you can just take the topic of resistance or paraphrasing or gripes to goals, and if you uh, type that into the search engine, it'll take you to blogs or podcast, a uh, bunch of videos there as well. And you can leave me questions. Uh, get forwarded to me on the site, and I, I can get back to
0: you. That's awesome. And yeah, your site is very extensive. It has a ton of good stuff on there. It's easy to find things.
1: Thank you. Thank yeah. you.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really do appreciate you taking time to to talk with us.
1: I uh, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the invitation.
0: All right. So coaches, you heard it here. You know exactly what to do now (laughs) to change those relationships that maybe aren't working out so well and um, really to reframe the way that we're thinking about working with teachers in general and especially working with teachers who are not excited to work with us. So uh, next week. We will be um, talking with Lanisha Tab about evaluating resources with a cultural and anti-racist lens to make sure that we are using resources that really um, help our children grow and meet the needs of our kids. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.